Welcome back to another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Tonka Gauntlet Pro Team member Evan Preparis, and joining me as always is Brenna Calvert. Hello, everyone. Uh, this episode is just uh, me and Brenna, um, and it is brought to you by Mudgear. Uh, you may know Mudgear from their socks from OCRWC. They're also the official socks of Conquer the Gauntlet. And if you check their website, there's something exciting. Brenna, you want to fill us in? Oh, man, I'm super excited about this one. Yes, so we actually just debuted them pretty much recently in um, first race at CTG Houston. They're our new Conquer the Gauntlet official Mudgear socks, and they have an amazing lion. The Conquer the Gauntlet CTG lion logo is right on the front, and it's the amazing green that you know from Mudgear, um, the same awesome compression socks, but they just look a little bit more, you know, special for out on the course and I got to see him at the Houston race and then I actually saw other people wearing them at another race already and um, I can't wait to get my hands on a pair of that but make sure you do use we have a code for you guys uh, CTG strong so that CTG S-T-R-O-N-G is 10% off online orders of Mudgear socks so definitely check them out yeah I can't wait to get myself a pair of the line ones I have the regular Mudgear socks right now and they also sell on their website some other stuff, some some jerseys and some uh, gloves. And I use their gloves. They have a company called Mad Grip that makes pretty good gloves. I use them for ultra OCR. So when I do those eight-hour races or uh, 24-hour races or when I was doing OCR America, my seven-day event, uh, those mm-hmm. Mad Grip gloves saved my hands because for seven days of eight hours of obstacle course racing a day, my hands were pretty tore up. So if you're looking for good gloves, check those out. And check out some socks. Uh, this episode, we're going to be talking, just me and Brenna, talking about some of the recent races we did, including Greenberry Challenge, Spartan Race, Mighty Mud Dash. Um, we're going to cover a little bit of terrain relay. Uh, going to cover a little bit of an injury I've been overcoming over the last couple weeks. And then we'll talk about two big trips we have coming up, which we'll save to the end of the episode, so you have to listen to the whole thing. Sorry. <laughs> Teaser right there. Hook them in. Yeah. So, all right, let's start off, Brenna, just, uh, we'll start, start, kind of catch up. So, the first, I think it was the first race of your year was Greenberry Challenge, right? I believe, well, I guess, yes and no. Um, the first one I did was technically Spartan in California in January. But I don't really count that because I DNF and kind of messed up, re, I hyperextended my knee. I think we might have mentioned that briefly, I don't know. So, it wasn't a big deal, but I did that and then... I don't really count that. So officially, Green Braid Challenge, that was their operator course in Central Texas, that was February, um, came in third place there. And so I did that. I guess I count that because, you know, that one wasn't a DNF. <laughs> but that was more my style. It was heavy, heavy carries and mandatory obstacles and, and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, well, the first race of the season is just, you know, clearing out the cobweb. So we'll, we'll count that yeah, as a bye. It was definitely from cobwebs. So, <laughs> so, so I've done one Green Beret challenge before, but it wasn't like a race. It was more of a team building format. So we had uh, teams of four, and we were doing a lot of carries and contraption building. Um, but th- this was a straight up race, like a straight up OCR, right? Yeah, yeah. So Mark Ballas changed it. Originally, the first format he did was the four man team, um, and it was all team challenge, heavy carries, just crazy endurance things like that. Now he has a few different lengths and distances, or you would say, and this one was the operator course. And so it's actually, he, he, I guess he calls it like hybrid OCR. So it's um, OCR, a race, you know, we had timing chips. There was an elite wave, competitive wave that took off. And, you know, one person, you know, no teams, you were all for yourself. And it had obstacles that you know of and you're familiar with, like walls and rope climbs and balance obstacles and he had rope traverse and the weaver and things like that but he also threw in his known for carries and kind of made it the endurance part so i mean imagine like spartan bucket carry on steroids in a way 
Um, I think he had three different ones, and so he did his, like, people saw him. It was things you saw from the team challenge, but dubbed down for an individual. So, the like, double yoke carry. So you had a big bar that rested on your back, shoulders, and, you know, heavy sandbags that you had to balance and carry. And pretty sure it was, like, a quarter mile, if not more, to half mile for each of the carries during the race. So that was taxing. But he had three. I don't even remember what the other two were. Oh, there was just um not like – it reminded me of jerry cans meet sandbags. He had these, like, burlap or felt bags in a way, or they were kind of just like those portable, reusable, recyclable grocery sacks in a way, but with short handles, and it was filled with rocks and just the earth. And we had to carry two of those kind of like a jerry can style, you know, down at your waist carry. And, oh, it was a sled drag. That was another fun one. So it was just like... In, in the mix of the terrain and the race and obstacles, those carries were thrown in there. So it's awesome. I love it for people that love hurricane heat or um, team challenges or rucks and go ruck, things like that. I recommend Green Braid Challenge for sure. Cool. Sounds sounds fun. I like the uh, – I like the – kind of his take on OCR and putting a lot of heavy carries in there. I think that's a it's an interesting uh, take there. I, yeah, I think I think they, most of them were on are at the beginning of the year, right? The the operator style races. Is well, that right? yeah, and so he, um, he actually I was going to say depending on when this airs, I think this probably will air soon, um, maybe just before. But April fifteenth, coming up in Perry, Georgia, just south of Atlanta, he has another operator course, and it's at the Guardian Center, which is an amazing venue. It's where um, who is like the CDC does Survivor and like disaster relief testing so it's this venue that's got and like the fire department uses it for training but it's a venue with built cities that are flooded and crashed broken down buildings and there's like a subway system with crash rail cars that you go through and flipped over cars and it's just this crazy venue and he puts the OCR on there so I actually did the team challenge there Last year, I think maybe, but yeah, I this think time, it was. It's the op- yeah, but this time it's the operator course, and so you get to like, I'm, I wish I could go. I don't know. I'm, I might swing it, but basically you're running through this city and flooded city, and he uses the water, but then he's gonna have his obstacles thrown in there too, and his carries. So it's pretty exciting. I'm, I'm jealous if I don't make it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. I remember you. I don't know if you put up pictures or maybe one of the mud run guide or someone put up a video or something of it last year. But it looks awesome. It's like running through the set of The Walking Dead. You know, exactly. There's like, there's like cars everywhere, and it's, it's just like it's just insane. Or like um, that earthquake ride at Universal Studios. If anyone's been to Florida or California, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah, so. it's it's worth worth going just for the venue alone. It's very cool. <laughs> I definitely want to make it down there at one point. The uh, because yeah, very unique experience. What else? So you also, this past weekend, you ran in the Mighty Mud Dash. So yes, uh, I'd never was, heard of that. that. Was, Let's me, well, I hadn't heard of it either. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that one. Um, well, yeah. So and that's what, I mean, we love this podcast. is all about, you know, the smaller race series. And so this one it was really cool. Um, I actually was told about it from the Lone Star Spartans, one of the Texas race groups. A uh, buddy there told me, I mean, I'm, from Houston and I was recently and just last year moved back to Houston and he was like yeah you should sign up for the Mighty Mud Dash next spring um it's at the Sam Houston Raceway Park and I'm just thinking that's like actual Houston you know in in the city so I'm kind of like well how have I missed this and apparently it's been going on for years is what he said and I'm, I'm just like okay whatever sure I'll sign up and um he told me about it there's a 500 there was a 500 dollars prize and I'm thinking, okay, for a second, third. And he's like, no, first place, $500. And then there wasn't prize for anything else. And he goes, no one shows up. I'm thinking, okay, fun. I mean, I like a new race anyways, but even better. <laughs> like, why not go for $500? And um, so it was uh, what, the April 1st. And I, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, Mighty Mud Dash, the name itself, I just... Not to lie or, you know, I want to be honest, I kind of was expecting or just like a fun mud run and um, just kind of so-so obstacles. And it was just going to be, you know, more for the first timers is what I was expecting. Yeah, um, from the name, I would I would assume the same thing. Yeah, and I mean, I looked at the website and looked at the pictures and it's nothing crazy, but they talk about there's a competitive wave and they have timing chips and 
um, you know, prize money and um, he talks about vendors and, you know, has all the normal stuff that I think of for elite if I'm competing. But again, I was just skeptical on like what the obstacles were. And I think when I was reading the rules, it sounded like they were, went for mandatory obstacle completion. But I've also heard, you know, smaller races, sometimes they say that or like even Warrior Dash or whatever, you know, or Rugged Maniac, they say mandatory and then people just like try once and blow through the obstacles. So yeah, I've, that I've, was my... I've been to races where I've seen the guy in front of me cheat and told the race director, and they're like, yeah, people do that. And it's like, what? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, was like, I was like, I thought it was mandatory completion. He's like, it is. I was like, so is he going to get disqualified? It's like, eh, nah. I'm like, I don't want to cause any waves. It's like, ugh. But anyway, yeah. I, won't mention that, I won't mention that race's name, um, but that's another story. Um, well, yeah, so initially that was my thought. I just didn't know what to expect. So, um, show up and again, it is at, it's at a like very big race park in Houston that's used for all different kinds of events. So, um, lots of parking there was go festival area was nice and laid out. They have like lockers and bag check and easy registration check-in, um, all the normal things you would see at a race. And then what really caught my eyes where I started to get excited was I'm looking and you can kind of see a good array of obstacles. And they were, they had metal trussing, like, and if anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, the actual, like, square metal frames that you see a lot more now in races, like Spartan Race, a lot of the rigs, and Savage Race, the rigs, and our monkey bars that conquer the gauntlet, and things like that. It's just, it caught my eye, and I thought, like, oh, wow. They actually, you know, structurally, just looking at some of the obstacles, I, I can kind of see, and I started looking, and I was like, oh, there's a rope traverse, like, Tyrolean traverse with trusting and it's like, Oh wait, there's a rope climb. And so I was like, okay, this kind of, this could be fun. You know, I'm like getting psyched up that it, you know, could be a little bit more than just a mud crawling through the mud run. And, um, they do like a little elite rules mm-hmm. and did say that it was mandatory obstacles and that they were going to follow and track specifically like the first three males and female up to the obstacles and through because basically they only, really are looking for the first one officially clean through everything. Um, so we take off and yeah, they had like there it's a co-owned by two friends, two guys, and they have like six of their like really close buddies, I guess they use for kind of obstacle attendance ish that help and follow the elite wave in a way. And um, yeah, the, I mean the race, it was, they had like a rope. Or what was it? Tarzan swing. This was the one that was kind of a oops. Um, like a big knotted rope that you swing over a mud pit and they had a uh, nylon rope to pull it back, you know? So like once it, once you went through the person had to pull it back. Right. Well, the obstacle attendants, they didn't know any better, but like, as you went across it, they're like, watch out for the rope, but they were holding on to it. So like you'd get across and as they, they wouldn't let go, and it just like jerked you. And a, a lot of us got jerked by it initially. <laughs> And we had to tell people, like, let go of the rope. <laughs> we'll bring it back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it was really good. They had that. They had a ring, um, like a rig with rings to go across. Um, they did have an element of fun. was a inflatable, like a climb up the back and then slide down, inflatable slide. Funniest thing, there was, like, six of us from the competitive wave talking at the end. And all of us were like, I hated that inflatable slide. It was so slippery. <laughs> like the elite, like gonna do the inflatable side because it really was slippery. I'm not gonna lie. I had to grip on really tight to the little, like clinch my nails into the inflatable slide part. <laughs> you have to go. Oh, yeah, you have to go down, up it. I don't understand. Yeah, so like it's it's in like a almost like a slip wall or just like what would be like a okay. ladder kind of. It has little inflatable rungs almost on it, but, but it had water spraying down it. And ah, okay, our, okay. My like innovate shoes are just like slipping off the. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a guy that actually was at Conquer the Gauntlet Houston the weekend before who was running in the elite wave and we were all giggling at the end. He was like, yeah, that was the worst part. I like slid down it and had to really hang on tight. <laughs> that would be, that, that'd be demoralizing when you show up and it's like, yeah, I lost my uh, band at the obstacle. I'm like, oh, which one? It was like, it was the slide. I couldn't, I couldn't make it up. It was too hard. Like, which slide? We don't have a slide. And they're like, oh wait, you mean the inflatable thing? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. So I mean, element of fun. They had um, 
There was mud, mighty mud dash. They had these awesome mud mound mogul pits. So I can imagine, you know, like a big pit you have to jump in, but there was like four of them and the dirt was really hard. And I, or maybe there's five. I don't know. I swear halfway through it, I was gassed and thinking like, oh my gosh, how many more pits do I have to go through? So that was exciting. And I'd been told there was no carry and they were wrong. So whoever went last year, I guess, you know, they've amped it up. They had a double sandbag carry. Which really excited me because I saw the guy in front of me go pick up two sandbags. I just thought he was showing off. So I walk up and I'm like, one or two, just because I'm used to them having two for the guys and one for the girl. And the attendant told me two. And I was just like, yes, like the girl really can't catch up to me now. Like, (laughs) these are heavy sandbags. (laughs) Serious for a little race. I know. So they did that and um, they had. What? Oh, there was a like a kind of warp a warp wall and a slick slant wall, and then they actually had a version of the floating walls from OCRWC, but originally from Indian Mud Run. Um, so there was a set of floating walls to little horizontal pipes on like a rig that you had to hit a bell at the end, and I mean, what else? R- rope climb? Yeah, they had it all really. I was very thoroughly impressed. And then to, like, give a spoiler, so this race, I talked to the owners afterwards, and um, they were really awesome on feedback and wanted to know. They said, you know, like, what should they get rid of or what should they improve on? And we we told them about the whole little um, pulling of the rope thing, and they actually fixed that, like, immediately. Like, right after we went through, they told them to start letting go of the rope, which was nice. (laughs) But um, rumor has it that they have a version of Wheel World. So anybody that's done Savage Race, the, like, spinning wheels that you traverse across, um, the guys at Mighty Mud Dash have that and will be using it in their next race. They actually do two events a year. So um, that's something to look forward to. I got to take a little sneak peek at it and look at it in their storage unit. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, I mean, for a small – I mean, they do two events a year, and they've been doing it for, I think, five or six years now. And um, they're adding, you know, I, I guess they go to other races and see what else people like, and they're adding it into their races. So it's growing and evolving, which is awesome to see for a small venue and small local race. But, I mean, I, I would travel for it. And they talked about spreading out the prize money maybe next year, you know, to like for a second, third, to get more people to come for it. But all of those things are, in my opinion, if you're competing, and then even as open waivers, it was all everything you look for in the OCR. Yeah, that sounds great. I, I know personally I'm not a big fan of the first place gets everything and second place and third gets nothing because yeah. I have come in second place more than once <laughs> where it was like, all right, first place got $1,000 and second place got nothing. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, come on. Like, give me some, give me like 10 bucks. Like, you know, just the, it, to me it's just like the, you know, the, the thought that counts really, you know. I don't um, want to say too much, but, yeah, you had that recently, right? <laughs> Yeah, I did. Um, we'll touch. We'll, we'll talk about it a little. So I did a terrain race, this terrain race relay, the 24-hour one this past weekend, and uh, my team did really well. Uh, sh- team was strength and speed. Uh, some of you listened to the Miles Keller episode. Miles Keller was on my team, and I had uh, Ryan Owen. Ryan, I remembered your last name this time, and Chris Polito. Uh, and we did we did really well. Uh, kept a consistent pace. Started closing in on first a couple times. Got them as close as six minutes ahead of us. Uh, and then they pulled away. And we got close again. They pulled away. We got close again. And then right around hour 20, they pulled away, and uh, we didn't. We couldn't come back. Um, and, you know, and then we uh, we go to the podium ceremony, and um, yeah, we're all in high spirits. We came in second, and they're like, all right, you know, third place is here. Second place is this is strength and speed. Uh, third place is Phoenix Evolution is a training group in Phoenix. Uh, second place was Strength and Speed. First place was the A-Team, um, the, a couple of great local uh, Phoenix OCR athletes. And then uh, we weren't expecting prize money because they didn't advertise it in advance, right? Um, so I wasn't expecting that. But I was expecting, like, the standard, you know, giant monkey medals that Terrain gives <laughs> out for podium prizes, right? Because, like, at a 5K, they give out these giant monkey medals. So I was like, okay, cool, I'll get my big monkey medal. And they get up there, and they're like, here's first place's monkey medals. And I was like, cool. And then it was like, and the award ceremony's over. And I was like, oh, what the f-? You know, like, so, like, you know, you haven't slept in, at that point, it had been, like, 30 hours. Um, and I've I've ran about 50 miles. 
you know, I was like, oh, this is, you know, I was like overreacting. I, I, I mean, I, I kept it calm uh, in front of most people. I was venting to my teammates, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's just like the thought that counts, you know. Like I appreciate you trying real hard. Um, well, exactly, so. and I mean, second place is already hard enough, you know. Like when you're gunning for something and you get first and you get second, it's just like, okay, wow, I'm a 24-hour event and a, and a little pat on the back and a big monkey medal would be great. But right, no. yeah, and I would have been happy with that. I've been very happy with that. Yeah, so first place uh, got the monkey medals, you know, and then I was I was joking around later. I was like, well. You know, we should have spent our time taking Instagram pictures because they gave away a free race entry to people taking Instagram pictures. If you had the best Instagram picture at the event, so I was like, maybe, uh, we, wa- maybe we wasted our time. They're uh, so so back to karaoke. Might as well just have a karaoke contest. <laughs> yeah, that's, what I, that's what I, that's exactly what it reminded me of. So for those of you who are unaware, Battlefrog did an event last year um, when they were still around, and they had a karaoke contest at the same yeah same day as their elite race. And I think the winner of the karaoke contest made more money than it was second or third place of the elite race. I can't remember which one it was. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, I, the internet blew up with the, in the OCR world, right? Because how dare you reward someone for not what you showed up, like 99% of the people are there for. So justifiable. It um, added some humor. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, okay, you briefly, you know, I know we're going to have probably more of the team on later, so don't want to go into too much detail of how much y'all rocked and did awesome, of course. But um, you, so I've, did, I've done some racing, but, I mean, you haven't done too much. I take that back. You did, wait, too much for you, I guess. You did a Ragnar relay prior right. to terrain, correct? Yep. But you've also been injured, right? So how, like, what... But have you been racing, and how have you been like racing around your injury, and what 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 is your injury? Yeah, um, so it's like February second or third. I uh, went to the gym doing some weighted dips, um, put a little too much weight on there, went down, felt uh, something rip in my chest slash arm. Um, and I typically don't like telling people how much weight I was doing with dips because it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> um, but like I so I, I did ninety pounds and I did like a nine a set of nine right and then I added more weight and I went down on the second one and something ripped um, so my first I would say quote unquote like real injury um, so I felt I actually have it on videotape so I felt something rip <laughs> and I dropped down and I'm like touching my arm and chest because I expect to see a muscle rolled up um, because when your muscle if it completely rips off the tendon or the bone like it'll actually roll up and it'll bunch up at one point. So I'm, I'm like touching my arm. There's nothing there. You know, it, it looks normal, uh, but I can feel like my arm tingling, like all the way down to my wrist. And I was like, oh my god, what did I do? Um, fast forward the weekend. Uh, it's, you know, it's clearly I've done something, some, some damage. Um, but, you know, it's, it took like about 48 hours for it to actually start bruising. Uh, and what I'd actually done was I, ri- I had a partial tear uh, on my in my outer pec, right? So where your pec, your chest muscle attaches to your upper arm is where it started ripping. And it was right where, not on the tendon and not on the muscle, but kind of right where they overlap. So it doesn't, it doesn't clear, there's not like a clear delineation between the tendon and the muscle. They kind of intertwine. So it started ripping there. And uh, that tingling I was feeling, I'm pretty sure it was blood running down the inside of my arm. Um, because, you know, for the next month I had a big black and blue on my bicep. Um, and, you know, people be like, oh, what happened to your bicep? And it's like, well, it's actually my chest. <laughs> That's where the blood's pooling. The blood's pooling on my bicep. Um, I don't know about so. y'all listening, but that just gave me, like, goosebumps. Because <laughs> I saw the picture. I mean, you had, it was, it was pretty black and blue. It was lovely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you, I, I wrote an article on strength and speed a while ago that said, um, basically it says I train through everything. And, uh, true to my word, I, I do. I did train through everything. I obviously stopped lifting upper body for a couple of weeks, like completely, about a month. I don't think I lifted, I did any sort of upper body training. So no rig training, no climbing, no weight training. Um, I did go to a physical therapist, got checked out. They, they did an MRI to make sure it wasn't too serious. Um, and then um, had some kind of interesting recovery techniques uh, that I had never, because I've never been really that seriously injured. 
that I I got to experience. So one of them is called dry needling. So um, some people, so when I say the term dry needling, a lot of people think of acupuncture, right? So acupuncture is like you stick needles in your body, right? And, you know, you're sticking needles on like your shoulder or your back, and it's supposed to alleviate some sort of stress or problem you're having someplace else in your body. Right. Uh, so dry needling, what they do is they actually like feel around the muscle and they feel where the muscle is like tightened or bunched up and they take a needle and they poke it into your muscle until they touch the nerve, right? And then your, whatever nerve they touch, that part of the body, you know, flinches. It, it like jerks. And it's, <laughs> supposed, it's supposed to relax that muscle after it pokes the nerve. So, huh. and my physical therapist is like squeezing my chest. And he's, like, poking me with needles. Um, so that was an interesting experience. I, I guess I'm a masochist because I thought it was fun. I was like... I was going to say, would you recommend that to people? <laughs> it's so it's supposed to, like, alleviate some of the pain. Um, I don't know. I don't think it really helped or hurt. I was kind of open to it just because, again, I like I like new things. And I, um, you know, as someone who does a lot of research on training, I... I was curious to feel what it felt like. So I think we did like two sessions. Um, they just poke it a couple of times. But uh, so that's what you're saying. I mean, as a method of recovery or training, you don't think it necessarily did much? I don't feel like it's, I don't know. I don't necessarily feel like it's sped recovery. Um, some people, I've heard it makes it people feel better because it like it loosens up a knotted muscle. Uh, like kind of more of like a quick, almost just like a quicker fix or a quick temporary fix. To the yeah, limit. like a quick pain <laughs> relief fix. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that was one of the things we did. And then the other thing we did, which I think some people will find interesting, uh, is called uh, a BFR, blood flow restriction training. So, again, here's the concept. So you, if you, if you cut off blood flow to an extremity, like your arm or your leg, um, and then you essentially exercise with uh, lower blood flow there, you know, instead of using aerobic energy production, you're going to have to switch to anaerobic energy production. So you can get a similar physiological response, like using heavy weights, but with using lower weight. So the idea is if um, on an injured muscle, like on your arm or leg, um, you cut off the blood flow, and then you can create the same response without putting the same stress through your tendons and through your joints. Uh, I know, like... There's a lot of legitimate research that backs that that works for recovery, uh, especially to injuries. I know uh, from a bodybuilding background, there's a bunch of bodybuilders who, again, you know, they want to get the biggest muscles possible, and um, they also have joint problems, you know, because they're lifting all these heavy weights. So I know they do it. They they've done it in the past, and I, I've actually read about it uh, years ago. But this is the first time I've done it. Um, the huh. kind of the the big difference so where, that, I, oh, with ahead. yours, well, just because I know, like, just I remember from where, kind of, was your injury in a spot? Was it difficult to be able to cut the blood flow off right there? Because, like, was it your shoulder and you were able to, I mean, what did you actually do for that? Yeah, so the, um, so it mainly works, quote, unquote, downstream of the the blood, the cuff, right? Um, so mine is upstream of the cuff. So the highest I can get the cuff is essentially my upper arm. Um, so the physical therapist, he's like, yeah, there's some upstream effects. So, you know, you'll get some effects for the first like inch or two above the cuff, which is where my injury was since he, uh, inch or two above the cuff. So he's like, so he's like, we can try it. He's like, it's not going to hurt anything. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. So, I mean, it's basically you put on this blood pressure cuff and you set it to like for your arms, it was like 50% return. If we were doing legs, it'd be like 80%, uh, 80% occlusion, so cutting off the blood flow 80%. And then you do, like, like I started off with push-ups on my knees, and then I would do, like, uh, lateral raises and front raises and some bicep curls with real lightweight, like, it's like 10 pounds. Um, you know, and a month after the injury, like, I would do, like, 30 push-ups on my knees and, like, be, like, shaking. Like, I, I was, I couldn't do it. You know, and then, like, last week I did 30 push-ups regular, um, with the with the cuff on, oh, wow. pretty interesting. Yeah, that's good for research knowledge and for those that just like different ideas of you know recovery methods. So the so the other, I guess the warning I should put out right is um, 
again, the typical don't try this at home. So the, the blood pressure cuff uh, reads your blood pressure and adjusts as you're training, right? So it's, it's controlling how much blood is coming back through your arm and through your body. Um, you know, like the poor man's method would be like, oh, I'll just throw a tourniquet on or throw a, you know elastic bandage around my leg and then train. Like the problem with that again is you don't know how much you're actually occluding. You're uh, you're putting a very like the blood pressure cuff's fairly wide, right? So it's like you know four or five inches of compression. Right. The um, you know if you were tying a tourniquet, it would be like a half an inch of compression. So it's really like putting a lot of stress at a single point on the muscle. Uh, so a little bit of danger there. Not the best idea to like just go start wrapping your limbs in. Uh, you know, stopping blood flow. <laughs> but the so the the other funny part is right. So like I'm in the physical therapy office and I'm I'm doing like five or ten pound curls. You know, my left arm uh, looks completely normal because it doesn't have the blood cuff on, and my right arm is like purple and red and like all my veins are sticking out. And I'm like, you know, I'm like gr- I'm like sweaty and grunting. And like the guy who's like laying down next to me, you know, uh, in like a pair of compression pants, just is like. What is going on? <laughs> you know, it's my arms like it's like purple, and I'm like, oh, this ten pounds, it's killing me. So, and I mean, you definitely look like you can lift more than ten pounds. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's been uh, that's been kind of my the last couple of my weeks, uh, just kind of oh. recovering from that. And then, uh, but I, it, it basically my physical therapist again. I kind of explained, uh, you know, who I am and what I do, and he's like. Yeah, you can train, just, uh, you know, don't, if it hurts, don't do that. So I was like, cool. So, uh, I mean, I ran a 50K, uh, it was like two weeks after I injured it, and I basically, I basically kept running from, like, the day after I injured it uh, forward. I know for a while I didn't do intervals just because a lot of jerking motion on the arm, but um, I'm pretty much back to normal now. The only thing I haven't done is uh, real explosive stuff, so I haven't. Like, I usually do laches or uh, flying monkeys when you hop from bar to bar as yeah. part of my training, and I haven't done – I haven't started doing that again yet. So. But you were okay? I mean, so, like, you felt good with the the 24-hour relay? I mean, you did good on all the obstacles and stuff? Yeah, um, so I, I did primarily the speed section, so I didn't use my upper body that much. Uh, there's a video of me on my Facebook page where I'm going over walls, and you can see I always lead with my strong arm now. So, like, I'm always leading with the left because I was worried about the right. You know, because I heard it in a dip motion, which is very similar to the top of the wall motion. Yeah. Um, and then I really, I did the strength section once. Uh, no issues there. Uh, there was some push-ups in the strength section, so I mean, I could feel it. It feels, it feels like it's pulling on my arm, uh, but it doesn't hurt. And then I went across a couple of rigs on the technique section, and uh, again, I felt a little bit of pulling, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily painful. Um, so I was just kind of. I'm just going to kind of be careful, and, you know, I got Savage Race coming up this weekend, so um, I should be oh fine. Oh, my gosh. But... I forgot that I get to see you. <laughs> yeah, I see you in, like, 48 hours. <laughs> so, uh... I totally forgot about that. Yay! <laughs> so, I got Savage Race coming up this weekend, so, you know, uh, if I start feeling pain or whatever, I just, you know, let's take it easy from that point on, but I think I'm, I think I'm back. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of Savage Race this weekend, so, like, they've got some new stuff. Yeah, are they gonna keep that Twin Peaks in there? I, I okay, imagine. okay, so I've seen a picture. It's there, but it's actually like moved further apart. So you have like more space than we do at the Five Walls in Conco Outlet. So uh, like, okay, they they spaced it out so we won't have a repeat of Florida. But uh. there's like I haven't I haven't looked at the videos, and Alex Walker's been getting me all psyched out, and like she looks at all the videos and obstacles one by one, and <laughs> but I haven't looked at their new like twirly whirly bird or something. It looks like in the picture, I don't, maybe it's the wrong one. I could get the names all mixed up. Who knows? But there's like another rig-ish thing and it's got like bungees on it. I don't know. It looks pretty cool. And I don't know. I heard there's another grip something like it's pretty grip heavy-ish now. And really? the first first obstacle is the ice bath. <laughs> That's shriveled Richard. <laughs> all right. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> it's going to be exciting. When was the last Savage you did? Uh, never. So this is my first one. You've never done Savage Race? No, I just didn't. The timing didn't work out well. Oh my gosh, Lis- listeners, y'all! If you those listening, I hope everybody like Savage Race is up there. Is I mean, 
obviously, I know, and y'all know, my favorite is Conquer the Gauntlet, but Savage Race is a close second. Like, their obstacles are awesome and epic, and obviously this will be airing after the race. But, I mean, definitely got to check them out. And that's what I keep hearing more and more people that haven't done it, and I know schedules are hard with everybody, but Savage is worth going to for, like, they do... I mean, they do awesome awards for a competitive. Um, their prize is 1500250 plus the awesome axe award. Um, they do age group awards, like actual cool medals for the age groups. They have a badass Savage Syndicate medical or medal. So, like, if you've done multiple venues or cities, you get an extra big medal with a pin to add to it. I mean, for people that love their bling, Savage Race is really cool to go to. And then obstacles are mandatory completion. So, amazing. I'm super excited. Yay. <laughs> that is exciting. Yeah, the, I think the, the age group medals are awesome. That's definitely, I like, hopefully that it kind of expands to the sport a little more, you know, because I think, uh, again, with, with racing, I think most, most people are doing it for, you know, it, it's a, it's a manifestation of hard work, right? So you, you know, you put in weeks, months, or years of hard work. And being recognized for that hard work is in the form of a medal or something like that is is a nice touch. So, you know, and some of us some of us may never reach the top step of uh, the overall, but uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot to be said about you know being able to win your age group or you know podium in your age group or just working towards that goal. I think it's a nice you know kind of intermediate goal uh, for people. So, I know like my first quote unquote like. Award medals, not just participation medals, were age group awards from running 5Ks and 10Ks, where it's like, you know, you you won or placed in your age group, here's a medal. And I was like, it's like I placed in my age group? That's weird. <laughs> Never happened before. Makes you feel good, though. Yeah. So, But, uh, you know, that, that kind of sparked some more of the competitive drive and made me train harder. At that point, like, after that couple of those, I was like, oh, I, like, you know, I should be, you know, winning or putting him in my age group so I would train harder to make sure like I always kind of went for that goal and then eventually that bleeds over into overalls and that's a long time a lot of, a lot of miles on my feet to get there but yeah hard work well yeah. so other than this coming up for both of us Savage Race I mean you mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast you know we're getting towards the end but um divulge a little bit more of what we have some cool trips coming up i mean you me and others but you and i get to do some really exciting stuff coming up this summer we do we got uh we have two international races planned um the first i'm excited i'm very excited about both of them frankly uh first one is my right at my specialty though um so we are doing well brett i guess brett is on a team doing it as a relay right is that correct well yeah so briefly since you you're Surprised me with this recently, but um, yeah. So I am part of the Sisu Like a Girl team. Last year, I went to the UK and did the rat race. Um, this year, the team is made up of four new athletes: um, Heather Ferguson, Allie Tucker, Sarah Watson, and uh, Nicola Callison. I believe might be from Australia. I think I have to double check. But um, they're basically going to be doing the relay, and um, myself, Amy Booth, and Phoebe. Um, will be support and or maybe kind of like pacing with and doing it with them because some of them haven't done a relay-style 24-hour event. So we're kind of going as veterans and help and support. And now I'm excited to say I get to help and kind of like be part of your crew too maybe, right? That's right. Uh, so I'm going out and doing True Good Enduro 24. It's uh, just outside of Aust- or Sydney, Australia. Uh, 24-hour long race. Uh, I think it's like the fourth or fifth year it's been going on, so it's uh, ex- you know veteran race, and uh, yeah, I'm just super excited about it. I I just signed up last week. I was gonna surprise you on the podcast, but I couldn't I couldn't control <laughs> myself, and I sent you a message with the uh, with my registration. So I know, I'm um, super excited, and so everybody listening, y'all just get ready. That's in what June? When like is June that one? 10. June 10? It's, it's not. It's right around the corner. So, I know, I mean, it really we're is. We're in two months. So. so we'll be going live from Strength and Speed, Red Beast, Conquer the Gauntlet Protein. We'll be live from Australia. <laughs> yeah, and for those of you who want to know more about the race, uh, we're going to have Timothy Oliver. He's an Australian obstacle course racer. I think he finished fifth at World's Toughest Mudder this year with 95 miles. Uh, and he's also done uh, True Grit Enduro 24 a couple times. So 
We're going to get him on the podcast pretty soon, as soon as we can figure out the, like, 18-hour time time difference between the two of us. <laughs> and uh, th- that makes scheduling a little bit more challenging. But we're going to get him on the oh, podcast. Yeah. He's going to compare the True Grit to World's Toughest Mudder and um, uh, talk about some of the obstacles and the different experience. And then he'll also talk about his training because 95 miles is a lot. Uh, and it's one more lap than I did, so I'm always mm-hmm. curious to pick his brain. Got to beat, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm guess I'm I'm going to his backyard this time. So I don't know how that's gonna go. But uh, June in Australia is winter, right? It's, it's cold. The yeah, southern hemisphere. Cold. <laughs> Not looking forward to it. Dry robes. So, dry robes. <laughs> yeah. So dry robes and wetsuits uh, will be in. Well, there'll be plenty of those. So. Oh, awful. <laughs> so that's our that's one big trip. That's June, and then in July, um, I'm real. I'm also really excited about this. Oh yeah, Brenda, you want to you want to tell people where we're going? Oh my gosh, yeah, I we, I mean this is super excited. Um, Evan and I are both going together. Actually, this is a planned trip together uh, to Lebanon for Hannibal race. That's right. Can yeah, we uh, reveal? Are we allowed to reveal what we just heard? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ooh, so the, they are. Uh, which part? Oh no, you go. You go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, so I've done a Hannibal race once before when I was in, actually, Lebanon uh, last year. It's like a, uh, I can't remember the distance, I think it's like 7K race. Um, it's got some fun obstacles, you know, monkey bars and warped wall and low crawl and some carries and some um, some other, uh, I think they, they added a rope climb last year. So uh, Hannibal race is the only obstacle course race in Lebanon, so they're, um, you know, while in America, we have a whole bunch of stuff. You know, it's like Hannibal Race is it. That, I mean, that's it's, it's Lebanon. Oh, oh, I know what you were gonna say. Kinda. Um, <laughs> are we allowed to say that? I'm not I sure. I don't know. I don't know. Never mind. We we, we got a spoiler. Y'all have to stay tuned. <laughs> okay. Hopefully, it'll be out by by then. But um. But yeah, I mean, Hannibal Race. I'll just put it this way: Hannibal Race upcoming in the obstacle course racing world scene. How's that? There you go. <laughs> we'll go. We'll go. We'll go with that. Um, so we're gonna be hanging out with uh, the owner, Amin Dib. Um, we're gonna get him on the podcast later too. He's like, he's like a local fitness celebrity in Lebanon, right? So like Billy Blanks in the U.S. or uh, any any of those kind of um, fitness celebrities who kind of made their name off, you know. Uh, uh, fitness DVDs and stuff like that. He's kind of similar to that, but in Lebanon, you know, he had his own TV. He had, I think he had like two or three TV shows on Lebanon. Um, so when I was actually there, I went. I'm walking down the street with Amin, right? And you know, I don't, I don't really understand who he is. I just, I'm like, oh, Amin, nice guy, owns Hannibal Race, right? Yeah. We're walking down the street, uh, leaving, leaving dinner, and like random people are coming up to him, like asking for fitness advice, and I'm like, what the hell is going yeah. on? <laughs> You know, I was like, who are, I'm like, who are these people? He's like, I don't know. I was like, what? So, um, who are you? <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was pretty funny. And then I, at one point I introduced them to two of my, uh, two of my, uh, Lebanese friends I'd made while they were there. And they looked at me like I was an idiot. They're like, yeah, I know who Amin is. And I was like, right. I think everyone knows who Amin is. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, oh, I'm such an idiot. Uh, uh, this is just so exciting though. I can't believe, I mean. I'm, it's a, a goal every year I have set after last, every year, since last year, I'm like, okay, you know, I want to travel, try new countries. And I was so excited to get to be part of Sisu again this year to do, um, Australia. And then when you kind of brought this up and pitched the idea, I mean, oh, to travel with you here and be part of the team. And I'm it's so exciting. I can't wait. So we're going to have lots of coverage again to bring everybody that race, right? Yep, I'll uh, definitely do some live from Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team, Strength and Speed, and Mud Run Guide. A little bit of all that. Yeah. And Amin also has his own gym in uh, downtown Beirut, so we'll do a kind of a live session from there, just like we've done from Obstacle Athletic on Long Island and from Conquer Fitness in Tulsa. So. Oh, man. You didn't tell me that. This is so exciting. Oh, now you know. <laughs> now you know. So uh, that's coming down the pipe. That's going to be awesome. Um, definitely going to be a cool experience. Uh, Lebanon's beautiful country. If, uh, I think most people have not been there, but um, 
Yeah, it's definitely. Let's just say it wasn't one of those places that I was like, hey, I want to visit there one day. So I'm excited to um, add it to my list of adventures for sure, especially OCR adventure related. Yeah, it's uh, so I've been around a couple of countries in the Middle East, and it's it's on un- it's its own, it's literally its own place. Like it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. It's it, it it's pretty spectacular. So um, very obviously very westernized, uh, you know, Starbucks and all that all that stuff, but also like a ton of as opposed to like chain restaurants, a lot of the restaurants are you know locally owned. So I thought the food there was just phenomenal. It is a little oh, expensive, man. but. Exciting. Everybody's gonna want to go now. Once once we tell them all about it, they'll want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> well, so before we ramble too much longer, and just we could go forever, you and me, I think. But um, what else? I mean, briefly, besides our exciting trips coming up, do you have some things happening soon? I mean, you said Savage Race will probably already have happened, but um, any other races coming up in the next couple weeks, month for you? Uh, I. I got a Warrior Dash Tennessee coming up. Uh, I'm going to probably do some Muttering Guide coverage from there, maybe a Snapchat. And uh, my first, like, quote-unquote, A race for the season is Toughest Mudder, which is at the end of April, Toughest Mudder Atlanta. So I'm actually going to Atlanta, like, three times over the next month (laughs) between uh, Savage, Toughest Mudder, and then Conquer the Gauntlet. Um, I'll be there three times. So if you want a book... Uh, my book, Strength and Speed Guide to Lead Obstacle Horse Racing, hit me up, and I will bring one for you so you don't have to pay for shipping. That uh, makes it a lot easier. There you go. Man, and I love Atlanta for races. It's like everything. Speaking and of... We're go- um, and we're going to Medieval Times this weekend. I'm going to Medieval oh, Times this weekend. Is that, which I'm super excited I, about. I think I did it once since I lived here, because that's, like right that's where I'm staying, is right around there. Anyways, y'all are going to love that. That'll be fun. Yeah. Um, but speaking of Atlanta and Conquer the Gauntlet, um, so yeah, we will be here May 13th, um, doing our first Atlanta race. So that's really, really exciting. Um, but tell people like, I don't know, we're kind of new for the Conquer the Gauntlet pro team. We're kind of doing something different in the festival area. Um, you want to tell people a little bit about the tent that we have going on and where you can get their book there too and stuff, right? Yep, uh, so we're going to have a Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team tent uh, in the festival area. Uh, it's good for, uh, one, we'll have books for sale. we got Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team stickers. we got Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team patches with and without Velcro. We have, uh, you'll be able to see some of the some of our various sponsors, um, some of the stuff we can give out for free, uh, some of the stuff you can look at, some of the stuff you can buy, so kind of a mix of everything, right? So uh, free beat performer, if you're looking for some, some pre- or post-race beet juice. Uh, you can get, get pick that up there. Uh, and if you want to just see some of the products that, you know, a lot of the Conquer the Only Pro Team sponsors have given us and, uh, you know, if, uh, we use for training, including Harbinger Fitness, their weight training apparel, um, their uh, atomic climbing holds, stuff like that, which will also be on some of the Conquer the Gauntlet rigs. Um, see what else? Or Mud Gear socks or Marina Sport compression gear. Um... What else? What else am I missing? Um, rock tape. Usually, if like I don't know, I myself, I mean, can't. I'm not really good at it, but we usually, some of us as athletes, we're all hanging out there. We have our rock tape too, because that's one of our sponsors. So you know, if you have questions or need help, some of y'all are pretty good at taping up and helping out others with that. Um, but it's also just around. You know, we're trying something new just for you guys, listening athletes, to come hang out and say hey to the pro team and the CTG family, and then also just you know any of the other a lot of the elite kind of hang out and give training tips and then we take everybody go back out on course so it's kind of like a rendezvous point to you see someone that you want to go back out on course with you know check us out we'll be there throughout the festival doing whatever having fun meeting y'all so so be social don't awkwardly stand around in the middle of the field kind of doing nothing come over and hang out with us because if you like to talk about ocr we obviously like to talk about ocr so um come over hang out Yeah, and then uh, probably should wrap it up because we've been rambling on for about four or fifty minutes almost. Oh man, I guess that's enough of us for the for the episode, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been fun. I love when we get to have these moments of just you and me kind of shooting shit, talking talking about stuff coming up, and you know, giving out secrets and all the good stuff, details of all the fun OCR community. But um, we'll have guests coming up soon. Exciting things happening. 
Cool. Anyone uh, you want to give a shout-out to or thank or talk about um, before we take off? No, I mean, I'm good. I just love the community. Thanks for everybody listening and tuning in. I know sometimes different things you might not want to hear, but keep sharing and spreading the word about the podcast. I talk to different people daily that don't know about us yet, so I appreciate those that have listened and spread the word, and thank you for continuing to subscribe to us. We're loving it and having a good time, so we hope you are too. Yeah. Uh, if you are enjoying the show a lot, that we do have a donation uh, PayPal thing set up on the Team Strength and Speed podcast portion of the site. So just head over there and just throw us a throw us a dollar or two, um, or if you want to throw us more, I'm cool with that too. But really, again, it's again, I, I think it's the thought that counts. That you know, hey, we appreciate what you're doing, and uh, this podcasting is not free. Uh, we I do have to pay uh, for maintaining the site and stuff like that. So throw a couple of bucks in. If you enjoy what you're hearing, uh, I do have some free content obviously available on teamstrengthspeed.com. Some articles there. Definitely check that out. Um, Muttering Guy just released another one of my articles called In Search of Mecca, talking about where the Mecca of OCR is or, you know, uh, where it can be or where it should be. So you can look at that. And then finally, I'll just give a, you know, with Terrain Race that had just passed, definitely want to give a shout out to Dry Robe and Hammer Nutrition. So Dry Robe was freaking awesome in between laps because you finish up and it would be like you know 60 degrees and your body's cooling down and getting back in that dry robe was awesome so i literally put it on after every lap um and then hammer nutrition obviously because fueling for ultra endurance requires a special set of um, nutrition products so drank a lot of perpetuum carb fat protein mix and some gels so if you want some hammer nutrition products Head over to hammernutrition.com, use the referral code 240887, and that will give you 15% off your first order. I think that's it. I think I've uh, run my mouth long enough. Um, Brenna, let's, uh, let's, let's call it. Yes, sir, man. It's been great, and um, can't wait for the next one. So stay tuned, everybody, and we will be coming to you soon. All right. Bye. Yeah.